0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one pair of your academic geniuses. (laughs) I'm Dr. G. You're one pair, huh? I'm one pair. Wait a minute. This has gone terribly as an introduction. Um, Do you want to start again? I do not want to start again. I'm going to persist (laughs) on. And sitting across from me, and this is like a really weird setup for us because we usually sit side by side, sitting across from me today looking radiant in navy and with luscious curls is the one, the only Insane Dr. Rad. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Yes,
1: indeed. So, Dr. G, we have been tracing the journey of Rome from the founding of the city. Does this city ever collapse? Because, you know, this is taking a long time. I've heard rumors, (laughs) but I think it might be a little while. Damn. Yeah. So, we have, I think, just a little bit of the year that we were talking about in our last episode left to go as far as I'm concerned. So we're talking around 459 BC, and uh, I think you had reached the end of the road as far as Dionysus was concerned. This is a real turnaround for the books in terms of our source
0: material. (laughs) Well,
1: as we discovered last time, it's not so much that we don't have similar stories, it's more the order that they seem to be coming in. Now that may seem like a small detail to our listeners, but it actually throws off the whole cause and effect kind of chain, you know. It it the way that they, they position things, I think, actually does mean
0: something for the narratives that they're telling. Definitely, because the way that events play out determines how the subsequent events play out. Precisely. Exactly. If those events are being told in different orders, then something different things are being given greater weight in the narrative material. And so I think this is a potentially really important point um, for historians to think about um, is why have they chosen to narrate events in a particular order exactly. over a different order, particularly when they know somebody else is writing the same History. Oh the controversies. On God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're deep in what is about four fifty nine BCE mm. and I believe you've got some details for us, Dr. Rad. Yes, well we've been focused very much on
1: external issues of late. You know, uh, what the Romans are getting up to with their neighbours. Not getting along mostly. <laughs>
0: Things on the outside of their pants rather than the inside of their pants.
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
0: <laughs> the external affairs. Yeah,
1: I get what you mean.
0: <laughs> okay, I won't labour the yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So Yeah. Um, so I did hint to you last time that I had a little bit of domestic detail.
0: Oh, I uh, do. Which, love a good domestic detail.
1: Yeah, which I have a feeling is going to just be, as I said to you, in a different order for you. So I think this might be in your next year, but let's see what happens. So... Long-time listeners will know that for some time now, we've been talking about this law about the laws. (laughs) Yep, we're back on that track. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, but it's going to be different, trust me. (laughs) So the law about the laws. Essentially, one of the things that the tribunes of the plebs are pushing for, uh, and we can see why this would be in the interest of the people, is some sort of formalisation of the the laws that people have to abide by, rather than it being, oh, Henry over there knows
0: the details about that. No, you know who you need to speak to?
1: Bob <laughs> in accounting.
0: I believe it's in an inscription, but the inscription is about 20 stades away. Yeah. You want to go for a walk with me so we can check it out? Yeah, exactly. So once again,
1: uh, once the external issues die down, we have got the tribunes kicking up a fuss. Okay, they're claiming a couple of things. They're claiming, one, that the army is being kept in the field uh, Basically so that they don't have to deal with the law about the laws. So it's not like the Romans are uh, are literally done and dusted and everyone's back at home at this point in time. But the tribunes are saying, look, let's face it, all the action's over. You just want to keep them out there so we don't have to talk. It actually is starting to sound like a really toxic marriage now that I think about it. You're trying to keep them away from me. Exactly. I just want to talk. I just want some quality time. That's all I'm asking for. I just want things to be clarified in our relationship. <laughs> I just don't know where I stands. Exactly. It's very difficult. Um, anyway, so whilst both the consuls are out dealing with military issues, the prefect of the city steps up. One Lucius Lucretius, mm. an alliterative name that bears well.
0: Hmm. He's <laughs> um, going to go so, far in our history.
1: Yeah. So Lucius Lucretius says, look, we can't do anything until the consuls come back. Nothing can be decided on. Classic delaying move in my book.
0: Classic Lucius Lucretius.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, in the meantime, though, something very intriguing happens, Dr. G. Now, one of the people that's been uh, at the heart of the issues with the Tribunes of the Plebs for some time now is a guy called Marcus Volscius. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, this is the guy that told the very sad story many episodes ago, it seems like, uh, where he talked about how Kaiser Quintius, the one where, you know, this whole drama really, you know... St- Patrician's boy from way back. Yeah, exactly. A lot of drama was stirred up. Kaiso ended up sort of going into, like, self-imposed exile to avoid um, a trial. And his father has now become quite the figure, Cincinnatus. Uh, around the town. So Volscius had claimed a long time ago now, in, in my books, probably not in there. A three, few years really. ago. Yeah, a few At years least. ago a few years ago for them, a long time for me, um, that Kaiser had been responsible for his brother's death. And this was, you know, a symbol of the patricians abusing their position. Oppressing the plebeian people. Exactly, yeah. The quaestors of this year won Aulus Cornelius and Quintus Sewellius. <laughs> yes, I'm going for the, for the W sound. <laughs> um, they decide that they're going to charge Volscius with perjury. How dare he lie to everybody about his brother? Pretty much. They basically are claiming that according to their investigations, it is true that Volskius's brother had, had, did die. <laughs> He's not hiding him somewhere in a cellar. That sounded really awkward. It's a very straightforward fact. Yeah, he is, He's uh, he is in fact dead. Yes. The brother is dead. Yeah, there's not but... a weekend week of Bernie situation. However, the circumstances of the death, they claim, have been greatly exaggerated, nay, falsified, in that once his brother fell ill, they apparently got some witnesses now that are saying that he never left the house which would make it difficult for him to run into Kaizo in the streets of Rome, as he apparently did, and for Kaizo to commit some sort of violent act, which exactly led to his death, whatever that was. Yeah. Not only that, but they have fellow soldiers willing to testify that Kaizo was not in Rome at the time of the alleged incident.
0: Circumstantial evidence, objection, objection.
1: (laughs) I know, I feel very law and (laughs) order-ish reading this out. Um, So, yes, Volsius is getting into some hot water. And some people say to him, look... Why don't you hand the matter over to a private arbitrator? You know, yeah. someone who can sort this all out for you. Don't be the frog who stays in the pot, buddy. Get Make some all this unpleasantness go away. <laughs> you know, you know. surely you can do that. Let's grease the wheels, shall we, of justice, as it were. And this is where it really gets me, Dr. G. Uh-oh. <laughs> Because, you know, I tend to be on the plebeian side, as do you. I am. We, we, we feel sorry I'm for working them. class. So yeah, I, exactly. We feel first sorry for of them. my
0: generation. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, though, it seems that Volscius doesn't want to do this because he knows he wouldn't be able to prove his case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you telling me something fishy did go on? Well, I mean, look. You telling me he did lie about the murder of his brother? I must admit. If it's to eat the rich, I'm still in. <laughs> I'm giving him a big clap. You nearly pulled it off. Kaiser is nowhere to be seen. I'm kind of sense. devastated,
1: and I'm trying my hardest to read against the source. I'm like, Livy, give me a hint that there's something I can cling to here. No. <laughs> no, nah. nah, he told a dirty lie about his brother. <laughs> so it's looking real bad for the guy that's been a star for the plebeian side this is going to push back the discussion about the law about the laws isn't it well this is exactly it, the tribunes put off the quaestors and a trial of Volskius because they say no 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 no. before we get into any of that we need to talk about the law about the laws yes. so it's a standoff where everybody's waiting for the consuls to return Oh, okay. Now, I found this interesting that the quaestors were the ones that brought the case as well.
0: And Mm. so I thought this might
1: actually be an interesting little sideline.
0: Yes. Well, we're not really sure what... Nothing has really been established about what the quaestor does at this stage. This is very early in the Republic. It is. And what we do know is that some people hold the consulship first and then go on to hold the quaestorship. Yeah, which which seems backwards, according to us. Yes, (laughs) whereas in the sort of, like, the codified cursus honorum, uh, the quaestorship is a necessary and quite low stepping stone Mm. um, towards the consulship. Yeah. So it seems that whatever the quaestorship is in this period has not been fully established. No. Um, And it might relate to some things relating to the economy, um, as we later see the quaestorship being related to, but Maybe also things pertaining to the law and, and courts at this stage.
1: The thing, the thing that I sort of found interesting, and I and I, I was wondering why on earth are the quaestors involving themselves in this? Is it a patrician? Well, I mean, apart from the obvious, yeah, <laughs> apart from the obvious. Um, but I was like, why on earth would these particular people be getting involved in it? Mm. And the the word that we use for this office, quaestor, comes from the word to like to investigate, to be an investigator, and Whilst there are claims in some of our sources that they existed before the Republic, it, se- it seems unlikely. It seems that most people agree that they came about during the Republic, actually probably very much linked to the creation of the, co- the office of consulship, um, and, and we do see uh, an ongoing link sometimes between quaestors and people who are, you know, of higher magist- magistracies. Um, And they do seem to have an early association with criminal investigations, particularly murder cases. Oh, well, there you go. So I was thinking that maybe this is why, partly, I mean, obviously they're patricians, duh, (laughs) through and through. But yeah, I was wondering if maybe that was why they were particularly concerned with this case. You know why? Why would it be their business?
0: Well, definitely, yeah. and and if their role is primarily to investigate claims um, at law, then this makes reasonable sense. Yes, and obviously this is a huge issue because if a murder um, turns out to not be a murder at all, mm. then certain people should get to come home. Exactly. Yes,
1: exactly. So uh, as soon as I, I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, is Kaiser going to return? <laughs> <laughs> the return of the sun. Yes. Anyway, in the meantime, though, time passes. The consoles end up <sighs> coming home. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Probably We've shouldn't... improved everything with the sound effects, yeah. as you can hear. Yeah. Uh, time passes, and the consoles end up coming home because they've had some fantastic military stuff, which we talked about last time. High five! Exactly. Um, they have a triumph, naturally. Of course. Of course. You know, they they did some great stuff last time. Um, the tribunes are very quiet at first about the law, about the laws. Now, it's not because they want the consuls to have the moment in the sun. It's because they're up for re-election. Ah. And so they're much more concerned about getting elected again, Livy tells me, than about the law about the laws.
0: Yeah, so, first things first, get into office. Then change things. Exactly. <laughs> and this is this is really crazy
1: because this is now, you know, this is yet another year that this pair of tribunes in particular want to get re-elected to the position.
0: Yeah, so yeah. we've got Verginius and who else is it? There's two of them. You know what? I've actually momentarily
1: forgotten what the other guy's <laughs> name is. Hang on. Let me look let back at my look notes. Yeah. I remember one of them. I know Verginius is one of them too, but I cannot remember the other one's name. Wait, it'd be Falskis, wouldn't it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we should edit this bit out. <laughs> nah, it's going to be fine. It is Volscius, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, excellent. Yes, Marcus Volscius Victor. Yeah, All us yes. were guineas. Yeah, of
1: course. Yes, of course. Of course, naturally. That's why we're talking about yes, him yes. being on trial, mm. etc. Yes. Anyway, so they're going for yet another run. And so, you know, naturally that's where they're...
0: Yeah, kind of... and this is, yeah, this is quite extensive because they're going for their fourth year in the Tribune.
1: Exactly, yeah. The consuls naturally oppose this because these guys have been nothing but trouble. Classic movie, by the way, (laughs) since the moment they got elected. Um, But in spite of their protests, the tribunes win again. So these guys are back. Sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Now, this is where something crops up in my account that's already been mentioned in your account, so I'm just going to very quickly mention it. You talked last time about how the Aquians sought peace and had a treaty with the Romans. That happens at this point in my narrative. Mm. And... You're going to be so excited about this, Doctor G. I can't wait to see the look on your face. Livy also tells me that a census is carried out in this year,
0: and he tells me how many citizens were enrolled. Oh, this is way better than the last time Livy talked about a census, exactly. which had nobody counted apparently. <laughs> yeah. How many
1: people do we have? It's very precise. Apparently, it's one hundred and seventeen thousand three hundred nineteen citizens.
0: Oh, amazing! That's that's quite a good-sized city. I'm impressed, Rome. Exactly. I mean, you're doing
1: well. Not quite up to the million that we know, Rome. No, will but it's
0: a good-sized university town. You know,
1: <laughs> I like it. I like I'm sure it. Sure, that's exactly what they had on their placard. Welcome <laughs> to Rome, a good-sized university town.
0: <laughs> you can study things like the military. Yeah, and how to not be a patrician. <laughs> I don't know that you can study that.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's what you aspire to, Dr. Yeah, I was born this way. Uh, now, also, he mentions, and this kind of makes sense um, because of the timing, that the 10th lustral sacrifice is carried out since the founding of the city.
0: Oh, that is impressive. Yeah,
1: now, the lustrum would be carried out every five years and would be carried out by the census, so it makes sense that it's
0: happening at this point in time. Makes me wonder why he mentioned a census just recently when it was definitely not a five-year period. Well, maybe he's getting confused with his own writing of his own history. (laughs) Libby, what are you doing? I'm actually wondering if maybe he was talking about, like, they intended
1: or, like, they were starting to carry out the census, Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, I'm not – I I know I agree with you. I know I mentioned a census, like, way too soon for it to be in five years. But, um, yeah, I I reckon that it was just more that there was going to be a censorship.
0: Okay. If that makes sense. All right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyhoo, um, so yeah, this lustrum is carried out every five years by the censors, and it's uh, it's basically like a ritual cleansing of the state, and it's seen as a time where um, there'll be this like moral rejuvenation of things happening. <laughs> And so it's it's
0: quite it's quite
1: the ceremony, Dr. G. Oh yeah,
0: tell me about it. I'd love to know more about this lustrum.
1: Well, see to me that kind of sounds a little bit like uh, you be pouring liquids, you know, here, there, and everywhere, or maybe taking all over my body. Exactly, (laughs) taking a special bath. It's external and internal. (laughs) But no, you get uh, a bull, a sheep, and a pig, and you basically lead them around. the people who are all lined up on the campus marshes, mm-hmm. and you try and get people who have lucky names I've to got be a lucky name. Pick me. <laughs> um, so you know Felix being a, a good example of uh, one of those particular classic. names. Yeah, um, and then after that, unfortunately, the part happens that I hate, which is the animals sacrificed. Boo. Uh, to Mars. Hmm. Uh, not, also disappointing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently it's to do with his more ancient ties to fertility than uh, anything yes. to do with war. So it's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, and then their bodies were completely burnt. And this was hope. This basically this completely ceremony. Completely burnt. They hoped that by doing this, they would
0: earn the protection of the gods for the next. Years. That is a pretty significant sacrifice because, generally speaking, with a with an animal sacrifice, you would definitely save some of the meat in order it's to exactly. eat. Yeah, this is pretty thorough. This is this is a very significant sacrifice. Yeah, you exactly. can see why they only do it every five years.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... Everybody
0: comes out and they're expecting a barbecue
1: and then it's not one. <laughs> and a bull. I mean, that's a pretty substantial... That I you're talking about. Yeah, here. it's going to yeah. take a
0: long time to burn down.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, and that's pretty intense. And then I just have to read
1: Livy's uh, final comment on the year because I love it. <laughs> he says that... Um, yeah, he's talking about how amazing the consuls were and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But because... <laughs> even though, obviously, they have won great military victory, so I'm not trying to take that away from them. But I like his just, like closing remark, which is, though the state was not yet harmonious, yet it was less troubled than at other times.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Libby. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. Thumbs up. Yeah. 459 was a winner, guys. <laughs> not as winning as it could be, I suppose,
1: but not <laughs> terrible either. Yeah. So, anyway, so I just thought uh, I had to read that out. Okay. But that, that takes me to the end of the year. So you can see there's some similarities what you were saying before. Yes. Uh, but yet some things which I'm suspecting I'm going to get hit with from Dionysus's of view.
0: Maybe I maybe yeah. well, let's find out, shall we? Okay. Um, so it is now 458 BCE. Indeed, it is. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> we have some new consoles. We have Gaius Nautius. (laughs) I do like. That's how it's spread out. Gaius Nautius, consul for the second time. He's been a very, very naughty boy. Um, he was previously consul in 475. Um, his great claim to fame as consul for the first time was laying waste to the Volscian territory. Nice. He's got a bit of form. Yeah. And now he's. Back. Uh, And then we've got another guy whose name
1: sounds very familiar to me Lucius Minucius. Ah,
0: these (laughs) Minucii. So this is Lucius (laughs) Minucius, son of uh, Publius, grandson of. Marcus Esquilinus mm. Augurinus. Oh that's a bit, he's quite a mouthful. This yeah.
1: one, you know, I just no matter how long I study Rome, I still get amused by names at Rome, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: they all kind of rhyme. They do. Yeah. Um, so we're not really sure what's going on with these two consuls. Um, as like a little tidbit in terms of the priority of the consuls, because. Both Livy and Dionysus list Minucius as a consul ordinari, so giving his name to the year. But the fasti Capitolini, which is a huge inscription listing all of the consuls, um, lists him as a suffolk consul. I think I can explain that. But I oh, yeah, but I will, I will let you go on with your narrative for a bit
1: because it doesn't come up
0: in mind until a bit later. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, you would not be surprised that Rome has been waging a war inside its own walls, <laughs> um, as Dionysius of Halicarnassus puts it, um, concerning the rights of citizens. Is this the law again, about the laws? This is, is the law about? about the law. Okay, yeah. yeah. Apparently it's now a war uh, um, excellent. in Dionysius's narrative. Well, um, I mean, let's face it, nothing's been done about it. So. <laughs> yeah, they're still fighting. Uh, Wiginius is back and uh, the other guy... Volsky. I'm like, why can't I remember his name? He's very important. He's suddenly very forgettable. (laughs) Unforgettable. (laughs) Um, And yes, so Vibulanus is also. No, wait a minute. Virginius. Virginius. Yeah. And. (laughs) Just just inserting people (laughs) now. Virginius and the other one uh, are there and they're back for the fourth time. And this is pretty important. And it is no surprise whatsoever that immediately after these two get back into the tribuneship, that the patricians decide that they have a war on many fronts that must be faced. Ah, yes. <laughs> Classic <laughs> distraction tactics. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and it's so bad that they need to have a force at home, presumably just in case uh, the tribunes manage to get everybody to turn while the consuls are away with the army. So... Uh, Quintus Fabius Vibulanus who was the consul in the previous year mm. he's now given the command of the city forces to remain behind yeah. defend the town and Nautius is sent against the Sabines mm. so he's heading a bit to the sort of the north westish or is it I, mean, I actually can't remember and I don't have my map on me <laughs> Oh I, We're I do super have, prepared today. <laughs> I do have my map on me I do have my map on me Excellent uh Yes, sort of northwestish, I think. Um, he's heading out. And Minucius is heading against the Aquians. Mm. So he's heading a bit more southwest. Mm. Um, and uh, apparently the real problem is that the Aquians, who have recently signed a peace treaty. Yes. Um, so you're not expecting Rome to go against the Aquians at this point. Oh, but, aren't you, Dr. J? <laughs> <laughs> you're not. I mean, the Aquians <laughs> have concluded a formal treaty. That was one of the big things that happened in the previous year. Yeah. Um, now, it seems they've moved themselves against the Latins, mm, who, allies. who are mm. allies of mm-hmm. Rome. So, if you like, the closest relationship you can have with Rome at this period of time is to be their ally. Definitely, um, The Latins and the Hunnians are allies of Rome. And they have particular agreements relating to how many troops they will send to help each other out and stuff like that. Mm. The Aquians are sitting at the next level underneath that, which is being in a peace treaty. Um, so, an agreement, formal agreement has been made yep. that they will not attack each other. Yeah. Nonetheless, um, the Aquians have decided in their wisdom that that peace treaty is only good for Rome, not for Rome's allies. Well, yeah. I mean, they did lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see the head of the Aquians, one Clolius Gracchus. Ah uh, yes, um, a man of action. <laughs> um, Dionysus describes him as somebody who had been invested with absolute authority, which he increased to more nearly royal power. Ooh,
1: mm. yes, he's definitely uh, someone who the Acrians highly esteem in yes. Vivi's account as well. 'Cause I got to say, according to Livy, I'm not super impressed with how the Aquians go about breaking the peace treaty. It seems a little underhanded. It oh, seems yes. a little sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Well, it, it seems I mean, obviously they they are attacking um they are attacking Rome's allies, and once again, they're attacking the poor Tuscalans. You know, I mean, what have these people ever done? <laughs> They just kept They've... an eye out for Rome. <laughs> they, they came to the aid of the Romans without being us. Like, these poor
0: people, they keep getting, like, they come out of nowhere and they keep getting caught up in all these. Yes, but who are the, the Tusculans going against when I come out to help Rome? Who were they attacking? Well, I know, but I just, I, I just feel sorry for them. Does they just start don't start seem to have a? no
1: peace. They have no peace
0: strategy. <laughs> um, anyway, I think the Aquians are probably rightly pissed off with the Tusculans um, because <laughs> the Tusculans did step in last year and try to stamp them out. Um, yeah, yeah. And the Aquians uh, cleverly have concluded a peace treaty with Rome, but nothing says they have to be nice to Rome's allies. <laughs> True. It wasn't in the clause of the treaty. See, I told you. Sneaky. <laughs> Clever, I would say. And then we have this like fantastically charismatic character suddenly emerge out of the midst. The Aquians we've just been talking about as this sort of like amorphous, non-led group of people who dwell at the fringes of Roman influence and are somehow <laughs> nasty. But now they have a real leader, uh, a guy called Gracchus. And if you think that name sounds familiar, well, prepare yourselves <laughs> because we're going to hear more about Gracki later it's in this. It's going to come back in a big way. In like, a big way. Been for a maybe three hundred years. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> patience, my listeners, patience. But so Clolius Gracchus is this like sort of like like lauded figure, and he goes in and takes a gr- great number of men, takes all the cattle that they find in the fields, destroys the crops of the Tusculans. Yeah, it's not pretty. And this is at the time when the crops are apparently ripe, so it's harvest time. So that's a big blow. And Rome sends an embassy.
1: Yes, made up of ex-consuls, it would seem. Yes. Quintus Fabius, oh, the yes. fabulous Fabius. Uh, my favourite. Publius
0: Volumnius and Aulus Posthumius. Wow. Mm. Okay, some hard-hittings. Um, it's it's hard to say hello to them all at once. Well, <laughs>
1: yeah, I must admit, this is probably the most amusing thing I've seen in a while. What happens to them when they arrive? Oh, what does happen? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if this is in your account. But they, they send these envoys from Rome to go and speak to the Aquians and to talk about, obviously, the fact that they've broken the treaty. This is hugely wrong. And to negotiate, well, what are we going to do about this? You know, you've broken the terms of the treaty. And... <laughs> I can I assume they're talking about Cloelius Gracchus, although they don't name him specifically. Says, you know what? Talk to the oak. See that oak tree over there? You can talk to the oak because the ears ain't listening.
0: <laughs> See these trees? These trees care more about what's going on than I do. Exactly. <laughs> I do have something similar, actually. Okay, okay. Um, Dionysius, with his pochant for oratory, gets right into it and of gives course. a whole speech yes, to Gracchus. Yes. To the trees? Yeah, you'll be... <laughs> well, I mean, not directly, but I mean, the trees come into it. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, and I think this is a real bonus for me, is the speech doesn't go for three pages. It only goes for a paragraph. Nice. <laughs> nice. He's improving. <laughs> I wonder at you, Romans, why in the world, when you yourselves regard all men as enemies... Even those from whom you have received no injury because of your lust for domination and tyranny, (laughs) you do not concede to the Aquians the right to take vengeance on these Tuscalans here, who are our enemies, insomuch as we made no agreement with regard to them at the time we concluded the treaty with you. Mm. Now, if you claim that any interest of your own is suffering injustice or injury at our hands we will afford you proper indemnity in accordance with the treaty. But if you have come to exact satisfaction on behalf of the Tuscalans, you have no reckoning with me on that subject, but go talk to yonder oak. <laughs> so essentially the gist of talk to the trees because I ain't listening. Yes. Yeah. The Romans are insulted.
1: Yeah, I, 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 would, I think I would feel similarly if someone told me, I'm not listening to you, go and talk to that tree. They send
0: a second embassy. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> that does not happen in my account.
0: It's just the one chance. Just <laughs> one chance only. Yeah, Yeah. no, apparently the, a second embassy is sent. And while that second embassy is being sent, they also call upon the fediales. Oh, yes. my favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, you always know something good's coming when the Fediales <laughs> get pulled out and be like, guys, we just need your help. <laughs> they're like, oh no. <laughs> Can you briefly remind our listeners what the Fediales do? The Fediales uh, have a really strong relationship with the gods. Mm. And their job is basically to figure out whether the relationships with the gods will be compromised mm. if war is conducted yeah um so they're basically seeking um the advice of the gods and to try and interpret the wishes of the gods as to whether they have um a just war on their hands mm. and there's a yes. lot of ritual involved and there's in a that lot process. of ritual involved in yeah. that process um things have to be done to precise specifications yeah and and actually, to be fair, the whole
1: ritual seems to suggest that the Romans are avoiding going to war if they can. You know, like they, there's, a, there's a warning system. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, and there's nothing more important to the Romans than understanding the balance of their relationship with the gods. Mm. And this is something that many um, people, when they think about Rome, tend to overlook. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're lauded for their sort of like their military... Uh, capacity and their sort of um, ability... Domination. Well, their domination, but also their ability to absorb cultural artifacts and reinterpret them in terms of themselves. True. Um, so that's sort of like they kind of spread like a virus and they sort of take in everything that they come across and Romanize it. And this is all seen as very sort of pragmatic. Mm. But when we get to the heart of the way day-to-day Roman business is conducted... There is never a moment where the gods are left out, yeah, absolutely. And you've everything from your household gods, um, what ends up being your lares and penates, mm. and as you get into the imperial period, you've got the gods of the crossroads that become particularly associated with neighborhoods, mm. um, to your vessel virgins, gotta sneak them in, <laughs> um, and even the nature of the sacrifices that we know are happening at the, the lustral ceremony yes, that we've exactly. just discussed, yeah. everything is bound into that relationship. So it's, it's no surprise um, that the fediales are being called. I suppose what is surprising is that we're told about it in this instance.
1: Yeah, because it's not always
0: mentioned when the Romans get into... But it would always happen. Exactly, yeah. So year on year we've been tracing this narrative and Rome is in constant skirmishes with their neighbours. Mm. But it's not every year that Livy or Dionysius will tell us that the Fetiales are being called upon. Exactly. So yeah. this is what makes this interesting from a narrative perspective is the choice to let us know that in this moment of potential conflict... Um, that this consultation with the gods is actually super important factor this time round. Yeah, um, the Romans it's... aren't sure whether this treaty has truly been breached. That's what I was say.
1: You think it's because there is a treaty that we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's trying to
0: figure out what the ter- how have the gods interpreted that peace treaty. <laughs> is it okay? To have assumed, as the Romans seem to have, that their allies were included under the caveat of no war against Rome. Yeah, which I must admit I also assume. <laughs> yeah, and clearly the Romans assumed it. Yes. And clearly the Aquians did not. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. It's, it's thinking, well, how do the gods see that situation? Yeah. And so the Fediales have a really important role to play in terms of they're actually setting the backdrop for the the legal interpretation of that treaty. Absolutely. Yeah. So the
1: Fediales would go to the Aquians and you know multiple times be saying, you know, this is what's happened. I call upon Jupiter as my witness. <laughs> uh, I stick my spear into the ground. Exactly. Jupiter yeah. as my witness. Yeah. Um, giving multiple occasions for war to be potentially averted. Um, on either side. I mean, yeah, the Romans could call it off. The Aquians could call yeah, it off.
0: Yeah, but you can tell from, like, Gracchus's speech where he's kind of, like, flipping in the bird and being like, oh, yeah. check out the tree, bro. <laughs> They're not backing down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but The Aquians are spoiling for a fight. And boy, do they get one.
1: Yeah, well, because this is, this is all news to me because I, I just have the envoys going. And I suppose, I suppose there's a hint of what you're talking about in Livy's account in that the, the envoys are obviously not impressed by their treatment and so they say look you know what if that's how you want to have it fine but whatever gods are listening and paying attention right now let them know that you have broken this agreement uh and let them know that there's going to be vengeance coming upon you as a result which i feel like is a very you're scaring very me, huh? yeah you're
0: looking so intense <laughs>
1: Or part of the podcast experience strategy. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like that's like a subtle hint of what you're talking about there. You know, there's definitely some mention of the gods. Uh, yeah. But they basically then just go straight back and the Senate immediately order one of the consuls against the camp where Cloelius is located, which is Mount Algaritas, which we've mentioned before is a location for... Various events, mostly battles, and it's quite close to Tusculum City itself. Exactly, yeah. Um, and the other consul is sent to attack
0: the Aquians where they live, Doctor G. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have Minucius in my account is the consul that's sent to uh, deal with Gracchus mm-hmm. and his crew. Yeah. Gracchus learns that the Romans are approaching. He breaks camp. He'd been sort of camped around Tusculum. Mm-hmm. He breaks that camp and he starts to like uh, retire back in, more towards Aquian territory. Right. Like, oh man, run away! <laughs> um, so he does that. Um, and Dionysius describes this as being the enemy is falling close at his heels. So you've kind of got like, I'm imagining like an army in the distance where you can see the Romans are coming. The Romans are like, and, and the Aquinas are like, <laughs> uh, and it's not really sure that anybody's catching anybody. Um, but eventually Gracchus finds a valley that is surrounded by hills and... What he does is he waits until the Romans have entered into this valley surrounded by hills and then he turns the Aquian forces around. And a camps across the road that is leading out of the valley. That makes sense, because I was gonna say, why would he
1: want to camp in a valley surrounded by hills? That sounds like a terrible idea. He doesn't. <laughs> and indeed
0: he doesn't fall into that trap. Yeah. But he forces the Romans into that trap. Right. Yeah. yeah, so they're not expecting him to try and camp on a road. That's a crazy idea. Who would do that? Gracchus would do it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Worthy of the name. Mm. Yeah, so this this does happen in my account, but before we go any further, Dr. G, I feel like I need to highlight that once again, Livy is not forgetting entirely about what's going on at home. Okay, because it's all unfolding at once. It's all very complicated. Um, Before we even got up to, you know, dealing with the Aquians, them, you know, properly breaking the treaty by, you know, attacking... Allies, etc., etc. Um, I have been told by Livy that once again we've got some very feisty Quaestors on the block and they're not willing to let this case against Volscius lapse. M- apparently, from some sort of noble sentiment that Kaizo is forever lost to his family. I know, where is was us? Um, And he was just such an amazing young man, so full of promise. Um, And so it's their duty. I know, (laughs) Dr. G is throwing up in the corner quietly. Um, It's their duty to pursue this case. He has to be able to come home. Yeah. (laughs) Kaizo, come home. (laughs) Um, And so I do actually have the names of these choir stores. Marcus Valerius. And one Titus Quinctius Capitolinus. Familiar names to us by this stage. Um, because, uh, particularly, Capitolinus had been consul three times. That's a lot of times. Exactly. Um, so, these are very eminent men. They're strong enough to take on <laughs> Yeah. We need a hero. Well, here you have one. <laughs> um, so, that is happening at around this time that the Aqueans are deciding that they're going to... Back in the
0: city of Rome. <laughs> yeah,
1: basically, yes. Um, and so I find that interesting that, you know, Livy's sort of jumping back and forth a bit more, you know, with, with what's, what's happening at home, what's happening outside. Um, and the other reason why I feel the need to highlight that is because when the consuls are sent against the Aqueans slash Gracchus... One of the issues is that the tribunes, once again, try and prevent the levy from being held. Clearly, because once again, the demands for law against the laws, protection for Volskis, nothing's being satisfied. Um, And so they try and prevent it. And Livy says that they almost had won, that the levy actually wasn't going to go ahead. But then tragedy strikes. Oh no, what happens? Well, I feel like I should pause there oh, and see, okay. see where you're I'm up to. I'm on hooks. I know, see where you're up to in your account.
0: Well, I'm, I'm still with Gracchus. He's made a great strategic decision to turn his army around yep. and encamp on the road leading out of the valley. Um, so he's got an elevated position, it would seem, on the road. And the Romans, following hot on his heels, are now in a valley. <laughs> yeah and that
1: this definitely happens in my account that Minucius and his
0: forces are finding themselves in a bit of a pickle, essentially trapped. <laughs> it is a problem because yeah. because this is a valley surrounded by hills and the road is sort of cutting into it, um presumably they've gone up a bit of a hill to get into this valley in the first place, so it's mm-hmm. a bit it's a bit tough to retreat, yeah um and they definitely can't go forward right now because Gracchus is in the way, so they have to encamp in an area which is less than ideal, mm. um, completely unstrategic. Part of the problem is that they there's not enough um, sort of forage for the horses mm. because okay. these hills are not, sparse, are they? They're sparse, yeah. and uh, if you're at all familiar with the Italian countryside, if we're talking harvest season, we're also going into summer. Um, things are a bit dry. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot going on there, and the trees are a bit sparse as well. Yeah, they, it might be a bit woody there, but things that you want to like horse feed's not going to be growing under those trees. No. Um, so the hills are a bit bare, um, so that's that's an issue. They're also difficult of access, so. This is not just like small rolling hills. This area where Tusculum is, is in the Castelli Romani region. That's the the modern name for it. And it's actually quite a hilly volcanic region. Right. Um, So once you get into these hills, they're not, we're we're both Australians. Um, As Antipodeans, we don't understand hills. (laughs) Um, Everything in this country is very flat. Um, But in Italy, they have proper hills um, and it's quite steep and inaccessible. Um, And so the road is really their only access point. So they're going to have to find some provisions. Um, They're an army on the march. They were expecting to sort of bunker down where they could have easy supply lines. This hasn't turned out to be true. Mm. And it's not easy to shift the camp either, um, because going out of the valley in the other direction will mean they lose sight of the enemy. And that will be an issue as well. Mm. So they're like, we're going to have to attack. We can't stay here. We don't want to bunker down. We're going to have to... We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We'll have to go through it. <laughs> we we'll have to go through the anchoring forces. Well, I mean, forces. that's not the
1: most illogical thing in a war. To, to it's the kind of thing that I would expect the Romans to yeah. choose, and they do. You have, a, you have a lot more detail about the actual physical environment that this happens is all I, all I really know is that Minucius starts off well, gets close to the enemy... But then is a bit timid in what he ventures to do, which makes the Aquians very bold, uh-huh. and he ends up getting in a pickle because they are they, they are basically surrounded at nighttime by the enemy forces, and this is what's this is what's causing the issue. And the Romans within the camp start pack start panicking, and they basically they send for the other consul. They send for Nautius, Because this is the other tragedy that had struck Dr. G, and this is why the plebeians end up agreeing to go along with the whole levy idea. Whilst they'd been umming and ahhing about, do we listen to the tribunes? Don't we? I don't know. The Sabines had struck. (gasps) I know, attacking Roman territory, almost reaching the very walls of Rome... Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's actually a really dramatic note on which to end this episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sabines
1: at the walls. Yep. the Romans are scared inside the camp, inside (laughs) the city.
0: Romans (laughs) trapped in a valley. Romans running scared. Gracchus laughing at them, being like, you're no better than trees. Exactly. (laughs)
1: So, Doctor G, that means that we have made it to our roundup for the show, where Rome could potentially score some serious points. Yeah, I'm pretty doubtful that they're going to score very highly in this episode. Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's not write them off entirely (laughs) just yet, but it means that it is time for the partial pick. Excellent
0: eagle. Well, they have the potential to win 50 golden eagles. That's correct. So what's our first category, Dr. G? Well, they could win a potential 10 eagles for their military clout. Ooh. Uh,
1: I don't feel like they're doing particularly well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They've just been surrounded and cut off. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and the Sabines are attacking... Very, very close to their city.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound great. Um, no. they, they did conclude a peace treaty that got immediately broken.
1: Yeah, it's not looking good. Not uh, the worst I've seen. A three? I mean, they send Ooh. out troops. That's true. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not actually losing yet. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Spoilers, my yeah. listeners.
1: Spoilers. Right. Okay, a three. A three it is.
0: All right. Okay, what's our next category? Diplomacy. Well, I mean, they really tried. I mean, they concluded a peace treaty. It's just, it's the Aquians that are ruining it for them. It's not the Romans. I, I agree that the Romans in your account are, I and mean, mine do send
1: envoys, to be fair, but yeah, yours are quite diplomatic. Mine, kind of, but yes, they deserve <laughs> something for that. And again, it's the Aquians that are to blame.
0: Yeah, let's face it. They've been a bit naughty themselves. (laughs) Um, Maybe a four, then? I don't want to give them a five, because in Livia's account, it's not going so well. Not dramatically. Yeah, I mean, they talk to a tree and they leave, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so a four. Okay, next category. Expansion.
1: No. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's a big fat zero. Yeah, that's zero. Virtus? Um... Uh, You could say that the patricians, by pursuing this line of inquiry with a murder investigation, are trying to save Kaiser's weirdos. Absolutely. And also prove their own weirdos.
1: Yeah, I feel like there is a bit of that going on. And and I feel like it is, is particularly in this current year that we're talking about 458, with the new crisis, definitely they are men of worth. You know, men are standing, <laughs> trying... Exactly, they're not put off by the tribunes and the problems that they're trying to cause. So those men in their togas, they're looking fine. Exactly. Um, so I guess a five? they They're too much? <laughs> Four?
0: Four? I Four? I think five is fair. Five is okay? All right, cool. I mean, they haven't actually really done anything yet. Well... But, but the potential, the, the weird was in the background of everything that they're doing. is coming. Definitely yeah, Exactly, yeah. And last but not least... The citizen score how great was it to be a Roman citizen in this episode once again I f-
1: even though there's not a lot of direct me- direct mention of the citizens I feel like it would be fairly lousy <laughs> I mean you still <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I you, have to you say. just got levied again guys <laughs> exactly and the law against the laws I mean Jesus Christ that's not <laughs> happening <laughs> um so yeah I, I'm feeling it's really not good, and and now one of the heroes of your movement is being targeted. Even worse, it seems like for valid reasons. <laughs> it
0: seems like the patricians might be finally right about something. Yeah. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> so I feel like it really wouldn't be great. So maybe I a two. <sighs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you're not being beaten in the street.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be worse, which has it? happened.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess a two. All right. Whew. We've taken a bit of a fall.
0: The partial pick it for is this episode is... 14 Golden Eagles. Oh, Rome. This is Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're not done with 458 yet. It's a pretty momentous year. It is a big year. Yeah. And there's more to come. Exactly. So we will be back next time with another exciting episode of the partial historians before we sign off however we must acknowledge uh, the generous arrangement of a recording space by macquarie university and our special thanks goes to professor ray lawrence
0: thanks for tuning in to another episode of the partial historians it's dr g here And we'd like to send our special thanks to our patrons, Dana, Joel, Roman, Savannah, Sharon, and Sean. Thank you so much for your support. If you're interested in supporting our podcast, you can find us on Patreon. And we're also active on a variety of social media. So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're looking for show notes and extra details, check out our website, partialhistorians.com. Catch you next time.